Hi everyone, you're listening to Doctors Confess with me, Kate Slade. And me, Helen Nuttall, PI of the Neuroscience and Speech and Speech Action. God, it would help if I could talk speech. about speech. Um, PI of the Neuroscience of Speech and Action Lab at Lancaster University in the UK. And I'm Helen's postdoc. And so postdoc. <laughs> And also, can I just say that some people really don't like being I'm your postdoc or you're okay. my postdoc. I do like it. But we had this conversation, mm-hmm. didn't we? Yeah. Because I, I said, how would you like me to refer to you? Yes. Because I don't necessarily want to assume that there's an ownership thing here. I would like people to know there's an ownership. And you said, I want you this to say, wasn't in the context of Doctors Confess, this was something else. I don't remember what it was. I think that's nice that you asked, though. But no, I, I, would, I do like it when you go. And this is Kate. She's my postdoc. And I go, stop it. I just want the listeners to know that I I don't think I own you. I I don't own you and I don't think I own you, but you want to be owned. You don't own me. Um, So, postdoc. I'm just opening my notes. I made some notes. What are we confessing to today? Today, we're confessing to experiencing imposter syndrome <laughs> do, do, do. um okay and would you like to define what imposter syndrome is you know what the definition this is how i start my lectures <laughs> as provided by clance and imes in <laughs> this is 1978 good well actually before i before we did this recording i had imposter syndrome about talking about imposter syndrome. I was like, do I even know what imposter syndrome is? So I had to find a definition. And after I read the definition, which I've got written down here. Go on, read it out. Okay. Um, imposter syndrome is when accomplished professionals feel as if they are fake or undeserving of their positions or accomplishments. It made me feel quite sad after I read that because in the definition, it says accomplished professionals. So it's like acknowledging that you're an accomplished professional, but still you feel like you don't deserve to be that. And that then I felt sad. Mm. And why do you think you feel sad? I don't know. It made me feel sad that so many people experience this and we're all just like, I don't belong here. Mm. And that's really upsetting. <laughs> so I'm laughing because I recently had a conversation with one of my friends who's not an academic um, and she's training in counselling and she kept asking me why when I was uh, when I was saying things. Yeah, I don't like it when you... And she's <laughs> like, you've got to keep asking people why, you know, until you get down to the very origin of the of the issues. So that's why I did it and that's why I left. Um, um, but I think that one issue is that accomplished professional encapsulates like PhD student to professor yeah and that's a big range that's why it's hard because you can be giving a talk as a PhD student or a postdoc or whoever accomplished professor and you kind of judge yourself relative to some of those other people but we're gonna have to cut this bit and rambling because you also (laughs) you also judge yourself relative to your peers you're not rambling that kind of gives imposter syndrome it's not that I'm not a professor I'm not I'm not here trying to be a professor yeah I'm here trying to be a great postdoc no I think or a great lecturer I think you've like hit the nail on the head there with the comparison thing because that is where it like stems from doesn't it like you think that other people are deserving yeah or other people are the real deal but you're the fake version or you're not deserving, which is not yeah. true because mm-hmm. deserving doesn't even come into it. There's nobody who's, yeah. you know, more or less deserving. It's just about... The whole thing of academia is, is just constant metrics and evaluation and getting scored. Yeah. Um, and I think that just adds to this whole 
feeling of worthiness yeah. that we attach to these these scores, impact factors, numbers of publications, exactly. H index. Yeah. I don't want to think it's just horrible. Mind, like, like one. I know people. <laughs> this is really sad. And guys, if you're these people and you'll know who you are, although I don't think one of them listens, if you're that person who looks at their H index and then looks at the web pages of other lecturers or senior lecturers and their H index, stop it. Just stop doing it. Don't it's do it. not cool. It's not healthy. Or I'll let you look at mine to make you feel better about yourself. No, but it's not it's not about that. Just stay stay in your own lane. Stay in your own lane. Stick to you. Yeah. No. But then I say that and I'm also that person who's just like, oh well. You think about how people are going to rank your grants or whatever else it is. And it is it's tough. It's not easy staying in your lane because no. your lane and your success is relative to, well, how are you performing in your yeah. section of the topic you're in and or a section of the particular awarding body that you're trying to get a grant from. So it's hard to, to stay in your lane when you know you're being ranked against other people other who are people. not in your lane. Yep. Yep. For um, sure. So other people are doing the comparison, even if you're not. So that's not good advice. I don't know. There's no advice here. But if you go on people's websites and you look at their H index and compare it to yours, just stop doing it. It's not good. Yeah, I agree. I'll stop. Yeah. Do you do that? No, I mean, I've got nothing to to compare. (laughs) I mean, I'll wait till I've got one. There's too much to just, yeah, just don't do that. Um, So... Sorry, I got a bit ranty there. Sorry. No, Sorry. I, I, I think that's good. As a, as a PI. Yes. Um, are you still? Do you still experience impact? Not so freaking lately. No. <laughs> I, I'm sorry, but I feel like I need to say. I feel like when you ask me these things, do I still experience X? Like there's a there's a sense of hope that it's not yeah. happening anymore. And you kill it every time. <laughs> I feel that hope. Um, sorry, but yes, I do. It's, uh, yeah, yeah. And I feel bad now because we just talked about humble bragging before we started this podcast. Yeah, I know. So explain that. Well, I had to Google this. I'm going to get it open. I think it's interesting I, because I, know. I think you're having imposter syndrome about having imposter syndrome. I'm having a worry. Like I was. It's kind of like you don't want people to think you're humble bragging when you're actually talking about genuine feelings. <laughs> but I know that some people think, especially on Twitter, when people talk about their imposter syndrome, that it's actually humble bragging. Which, um, according to Google, oh god, this is the definitions from Oxford Languages. Okay, oh. humble brag. Make an ostensibly modest or self-deprecating statement with the actual intention of drawing attention to something of which one is proud. She humble bragged about how awful she looks without any makeup. Oh. Presumably, that lady does not look. Awful. Yeah, I think that's a bad example. That's a bad actually. Example. That's a really crap example. <laughs> Um, no, no. I think at the heart of it where did I see this further down on Google it's yeah false humility so you're trying to basically tell people how good you are and disguise it in yeah. this oh woe is me thing it's, that's, oh, that's all really bad that's bad because then I think oh well I can't ever say if I'm like stressing or freaking out about something yeah. that's making me feel nervous in and case people think that that thing is something I'm trying to brag about also I think bragging we should be allowed People should be allowed to brag about things that they're proud of, well, right? Apparently, I saw something else on Google. It's fi- yeah, it's fine yeah. to talk about your achievements, but it's when you're dressing up, when you're dressing up your statement as I'm not actually talking about my achievements, and apparently that in that's, personality research is a bad thing. Yeah, or leads to. But do you think that's just advice. because you feel awkward 
to, so you, you'd like to be able to be like, these are really hard questions. I'm proud of this, but I'm so scared of people thinking that I'm like coming off as like big headed by saying yeah. I'm proud of something that then you go, oh, uh, you know, <laughs> humble brag. Yeah, humble brag. I, I, I guess, I mean, I don't think I've ever humble bragged because I've wanted to say I'm doing something but I felt uncomfortable about just saying about the achievement. Yeah. I, I personally, I don't feel that. But I imagine there are people who do um, yeah. who do portray the comments, maybe on Twitter or whatever, in that way. Because it's, they feel they can't just outwardly say... Yeah, because somebody might be like, oh, I've got to talk at blah and I'm really pumped for it. Yeah, because there's this whole thing of people being like, oh, she's so, like, full of herself. Yeah. It's really, but it's really really it's really difficult this one well, isn't it like yeah anyway yeah <laughs> it's really it's really difficult brush that um, one under the carpet because I was also thinking about this earlier when I was at the gym that's where I think about things mm-hmm. as you know very good <laughs> and I was thinking like is imposter syndrome is it a crisis of confidence is that basically what it is I think that's what it is and everybody has a crisis of confidence. Yeah. At some point or other. Well, if you think, we asked whether we should confess to imposter syndrome on our Twitter. Yeah. And it got, like, the most votes in, in like, a, a significant more, what am I trying to say? <laughs> more votes than the other option. Yeah, 75%. There we go, thank you. Imposter syndrome, 25% rejection. So I think those people experience imposter syndrome. And now nobody wants to talk about it in case they're accused of humble bragging. Yeah. What, what do we do? <laughs> so I'll tell you. Tell you some stuff. Okay, thanks. So um, when I was a gal. <laughs> a young. When I was a whippersnapper. Yeah. Um, I did an AS level in performing arts. And before doing my AS level in performing arts, I did a GCSE in drama, which I got an A star in. Thank you. And I just brag. Oh, <laughs> that's a full brag. Um, I devised a fantastic piece about paedophilia under the guise of Red Red Riding Hood. I don't know. Are you crying? I'm not sure. What's... Um, I do we have to cut that? I don't know. <laughs> we can do that afterwards. I just sit down. From a young age. Okay, okay we'll, we'll see. Maybe we'll something after. No, from, I like it. From a young age, I was always on the stage. So I danced. And then the dancing turned into some um, like amateur dramatics and musical theatre. Like when I was a child and stuff, I was really interested in that. So you learn that it's a normal thing that you're nervous before you do something, but you go out there, you smile and you hold your head up high and like you give it your all regardless. Yeah. And I guess that's all I ever did. Then when I was nervous in my professional life, I probably went out there and I smiled and I held my head up and I gave it my all. Now, there's another part of this, which is about what society expects from women, which can be a different conversation another time. Okay. And Amy Cuddy did a TED Talk, which I have referenced to many um, people throughout my <laughs> my career. Yeah. Um, we'll put the science aside because I know that's contested but she makes this comment about how she was faking it till she became it it. yeah and I love that one even if the science is contested it it makes me feel good to watch it the sentiment really resonated with me it's like I was fake it till you make it that was what I was doing I was going out there I was giving a lecture I was giving a talk and I was trying to be confident and on like come across like I was on top of my yeah shazam yeah <laughs> when maybe I felt absolutely weighed down by the shazam yeah yeah <laughs> and then there was a time 
and I don't know exactly when this was but I think it was early on in my lectureship where I realized that I wasn't faking it as much anymore you became it Mm, yeah for some of my like this is in a lecturing sense so you didn't you no longer felt like you had to I didn't feel yourself up I didn't feel as fraudulent okay and I had a moment of like oh Oh, maybe it's happened like maybe the knowledge has sort of clicked in and the experience has clicked in and I don't feel quite as fraudulent yeah. anymore um and your mentor you've got a really good mentor in a different faculty and she talks about having the evidence doesn't she yes I think when you're a PhD student and you're a postdoc and so on there's a lag isn't there between you know you've got the skills but you don't yet have necessary like evidence for the outside world to back up that you've got those skills yeah. like papers grants well some people might talks, but whatever might not um yeah so when you say like oh I know this skill Mm -hmm. or I've learned this method and you want to be able to then say because I've got this massive bag of papers here that I've wrote this method in yeah written this method in um and you don't have that so you sort of that makes you feel more like a fraud yeah and there'll be situations where like I do this thing where I feel like oh I'm not good enough and then something happens and I go well I knew it yeah, I wasn't good enough. I think that's in the book. Like, I, oh, yeah. yeah. Oh, God, what do they call it now? I said in the first podcast that I'd talk about this book and I didn't do it. Um, it's, yeah, you, yeah, I don't know. It's, it's like it's, a confirming thing. You go, yeah. Oh, I, I'm not good enough for this. I'll get a rejection. Told you all. Yeah. You, you got <laughs> your like affirmation. Yeah. against. I feel like you're protecting yourself against feeling the sadness of the rejection because mm. you like prep yourself beforehand to be like, oh, I'm not good enough anyway, so I won't get it. Yeah. Is that bad? Um, I don't know. Do you think that's what's happening then? Like it's just some sort of self-preservation mechanism. I think it must be because you like, you're kind of like preparing yourself for the worst thing you think somebody might think about you. Yeah. And you're making yourself think it before somebody else says, hey, what are you doing here? But you know... <laughs> Not everybody does this, you know, and I worry that we're a bit of an echo chamber because we're probably quite similar in a lot of respects. But so it was really funny, not funny in the traditional sense of the word. It was very remarkable <laughs> that he'd just be so confident. Like mm. he'd give a talk and he'd be like, I should have won that prize. Yeah. I won the best top prize. I mean, I love that. And I was like, what? <laughs> Whereas I was just like, literally couldn't eat my breakfast because I was so like worried about giving this talk and it being rubbish and all that and I was like how but yet he carried this confidence and I did not carry that confidence um but didn't you told me this before about a time then when you won something at uh yeah and you just you're like yeah no nowhere in your brain you were like you were gonna win this Mm -hmm. and then you did Mm -hmm. and after that you're like oh wow actually because I got the evidence yeah actually I am in this room with some evidence now I was the best one <laughs> but why do we need all the evidence to because there might only be one prize at a conference it doesn't mean that only if you get that prize are you worthy yeah whatever else you know yeah no I so guess. it's a difficult one because it's like having the evidence is good but then what if you don't have the evidence that doesn't mean that you're not no it doesn't that it doesn't mean that you should have imposter syndrome it's just yeah I think it's a really life difficult hard, thing okay. it's life is really hard and as you've said imposter syndrome it lasts like even you experience it now and I think it's very sad that we have that yeah but what are the ways that we can sort of like cope with it I think just talking about it it's like do you remember when we were in um Sweden and we were having that chat with a really wonderful 
um male professor who was like yes. very senior yeah and he was saying about something he was really worried about and he yeah. just he was just vulnerable he just said these are my feelings yeah here they are I was very that's shocked. what we need to do more mm-hmm. of go like oh I've got this coming up and I feel a bit about it yeah you know because then you kind of like break the illusion that certain uh-huh. people are the real the real deal I was going to say the posters like that was the opposite of imposters <laughs> like weird posters you know the imposters the posters and I think it doesn't it doesn't stop when you get to professor and yeah. it's probably like even harder for them because there's like probably much more of an assumption yeah at that stage in your career that you wouldn't deal with these feelings yeah but I thought it was so remarkable that he just freely kind of mentioned about the things he was worrying about and it just made me think he was amazing really yeah no um, I, I agree with that just we all should just be open and honest a bit more about these the feelings yeah I think that would help I was when I was reading on the internet before yes, yes. from from my perspective mm-hmm. post-arc PhD young mm. young in your career terms mm-hmm. what's that earlier yeah junior um about when you feel imposter syndrome um let me just read my notes um yeah it said it's because you're pushed to the limits of your knowledge you're learning so much new stuff you're constantly finding out new information so you never feel like you know everything on one thing that's so true which then makes you feel like you can't be the expert because people will say oh you did a PhD in this you're the expert in that and you never feel like you are because there's so much knowledge out there and yeah and you're constantly trying to learn everything so you can Mm -hmm. be prepared for any question that might be asked to you yeah um and that makes you feel like you have imposter syndrome. But it was saying on wherever I read it, which I can't tell you because I can't remember, um, that I'm going to talk about reframing again. If you reframe imposter syndrome to thinking, I'm just a beginner in this mm-hmm. area or I'm mm-hmm. a beginner at learning about this. It's not that I'm an imposter. It's that I've got lots to learn, you know, starting out in my career. And at one point, maybe I'll know more. Yeah. But then... And that point doesn't come Kate yeah that, and so that's I'm not really sure what to do now so here's one and I, I don't hear a lot of PIs talking about this but I think this is a real thing so when you're a PI and it, as a lab grows the natural kind of um, consequence of that is you start to feel further and further and further away from being absolutely on top of all the details of what's going on so that's really uncomfortable and then you almost feel like an imposter syndrome in your own lab in a way because like I when I was a postdoc or PhD student, you know exactly all the details of your experiment. Yeah. And I don't like not knowing 100% the details of like, in my mind at that very moment of everybody's experiment. Yeah, that must be really hard. And it's, yeah, I think that's that's a, a difficult one. And I don't read as much. I don't um, do as much data analysis. I don't do as much programming as what I did when I was a postdoc or a PhD student. Yeah. And that change in itself kind of makes me feel like, you know, I'm, I'm, becoming divorced from what's going on scientifically that's like a different kind of version of imposter syndrome in a way yeah um yeah yeah but I suppose that's just like the development of your career like instead of focusing on those things you're learning more about doing a lot more management yeah like project planning and um risk mitigation resource acquisition you know you have to learn those things and become a big beginner at those things and you feel like an imposter at those things yeah so it's it's just a learning experience constantly yeah it's um I think academia is is tough because um I'm sure I've said this before about the the more you learn the more you realize that you know you don't know yeah is that like an Einstein quote or something um 
And it doesn't. I know that one. I think your reframing works for, like when you're early uh, on in your yeah, career. Yeah. But it, what happens then when you still have those feelings when you're at my stage, where it's so, you know, some point soon I'm probably approaching mid career. I don't really like that. Oh, I feel like I'm meant to <laughs> got my Shazam together. Wow. <laughs> By that point, I don't think I've got it together. Um, I don't know when mid career starts, but I don't, I don't know. I feel like I've left that ECR category and I'm heading towards the hills yeah. of mid-career wilderness Definitely. um so how I, many people you can talk to about this mid-career um moment I don't know no I don't know <laughs> just to see what it's what, what mid-career is like yeah I hear it's it's a lot of wilderness oh, and that wow. you can get lost oh no yeah god when is it good <laughs> um, I don't know it is good because for the reasons that I often say, I love the intellectual freedom yeah. um, of the mid-career, <laughs> of starting a lab and doing all of that. It's and nurturing, nurturing the, talent. Yeah. Yeah. The lab talent. Absolutely. really nice. Um, what was the original question? Well, I don't remember. <laughs> I don't... I'm not sure. Man alive. Um, so... <laughs> We probably need to sum up, don't we? Yeah, imposter syndrome. Everyone's what have got we learned? it. What have we learned? Right, we've learned. People wanted to know about it because everyone's got it. Apparently, based on the voting. Based on the voting yeah. from not that many people, but here we are. <laughs> um, that it lasts even when you are professor level. Mm-hmm. You know, you might still feel it at some points. And it's probably just a normal part of being in this sort of career, questioning your knowledge on things because that's what we're taught to do yeah and maybe spend a little less time looking up the h index of your no comparison and comparing yourself and spend a bit more time saying i'm feeling a little bit wobbly about this yeah and that's okay Um, recognize your own accomplishments mm -hmm. and praise yourself for what you've achieved because everyone is deserving yeah and if you've written a book or you've had a paper except you got a grant Go out there, good for you. Go on Twitter and say, I'm really happy that my book's out. I'm really happy that I've got this funding for my lab for the yeah. next five years. Equally, if you've had a grant rejected, if if you've had a paper bounced. I'm going to go post and, on all of them, hashtag go, humblebrag. Go on Twitter and be like, oh, I've had a... <laughs> yeah, <laughs> no. I've been rejected. And then it just, or like, I'm nervous about whatever, or I've got, you know, I don't know, it's difficult. No, I think that's good. Sharing, it makes, then there's not like this illusion that some people are just absolutely coping and fine with everything like one of the reasons I wanted to do this podcast with you is because there's all this kind of movement happening um very much on Instagram with regards like body positivity and like we've been fed so much Mm -hmm. imperfect sorry we've been fed all this information about like the perfect aesthetic and all of this yeah and now it's kind of like the reverse or the behind the curtain side is coming out about all the filtering apps and how yeah. quickly you can edit your photos and I love all the images of women on Instagram saying this is my pose but this is also my pose and here's my cellulite yeah. and my stretch marks it, it's amazing because I grew up thinking like that was something to be hidden and something like disgusting and basically. something that not many people had that's yeah. what I thought and that's why it's really important to me to be doing this podcast with you because I feel like academic Twitter is a bit like old Instagram mm. of everybody putting forward their like the shiny filtered version of their life and you don't get to see behind the curtain of like I've had all these rejections and all my papers this year yeah. are getting like bounced or whatever you know yeah so it's you know we can we can talk about those this things. is the yeah. behind the curtain reveal yeah. I like it yeah good 
so that's it really I don't have an embarrassing story I forgot we're doing that I know and I just I just I just don't have one I'm not embarrassing I'm cool so that's what it's going to tell us a cool story then (laughs) I have a cool story (laughs) why don't you tell us something about no this is this is this is legit now why don't you tell us something that um you felt you did a good job in your like career in your job oh my god why do you why don't you prep me before we do this you just fob me off do we have any other alternative endings um how about there's a podcast i listen to that they call this swear word hooray i don't know if we can swear on this because i wrote that we're a clean podcast that's why it's a shazam <laughs> but i didn't say bloody it's bloody swear word i don't know no because you can say i've got a bloody finger i don't <laughs> we could tell um uh conference story about having to wear the same pants for 48 hours yep uh, or fail so it was did, like an embarrassing story or a fail somebody did write in to me with a fail i'm gonna yeah i'm gonna should i just read it out yeah yeah when i first started my postdoc i had my desk in a room where i sat with my back to the door and i always had my headphones on and every time my supervisor stopped by to check if i was doing okay I used to get so nervous and startled that my headphones always knocked over my coffee and then we had to mop it up. <laughs> like our first five interactions over the course of two weeks. <laughs> and it's just mopping up coffee. <laughs> and then as we thought if I could move my desk so I could see the door when they were coming in. Also, that is tragic, isn't that it? That is tragic. That is so relatable. Yeah. Yeah, I love it. Also, that's the worst desk in a shared office. Because, not that I do this, because I'm a good staff member, but say if you're listening to some music, yeah. or you just go on YouTube to yeah. play something, yeah. and then your PR goes, hello, and you go, oh no. This happened to me all the time at UCL, and Patty would be like, are you listening to the Frozen soundtrack today or Disney medley? <laughs> She's like, have you got Frozen on again? Because it was also the thing, because you'd have to go into Spotify, pause the song, and then be like, hello PI. Yeah. I'm I can hear you now. That's basically what <laughs> me and Patty did. Work. Just I embrace wasn't. it. Just, yeah. No, it wasn't that. It was more just like, I'm doing work, but I've got background music on. And if I, I need to, I can't just take my headphones off and keep the song playing. I'm not. <laughs> I'll need to pause the song. Yeah, anyway, I love that. So I replied to my friend and I said, lol, so tragic. And did you move the desk? And, she, and they said, yes, it was fine. And life worked out okay. I'm really, yeah, I like that. But she then followed up and said, but I did want to die every time I spilt the coffee and then the PI spent the first part of our meeting mopping it up. <laughs> Lovely. Okay. Well, that's the end. All right, thanks for listening. Like, rate and subscribe. Like, <laughs> like rate and subscribe, please. And if you have <laughs> any embarrassing moments, please share them with us because clearly we're running out because we're too cool. So when you said please, then you reminded me of my two-year-old when I tell her, say please, please. please. <laughs> <laughs> Uh, yeah so please bye bye